Hello and welcome to Smart Businesses Do This. I'm your host, Adam Lyons, and today I am joined by the one and only Danny Galvez. And if you're not a fan of him yet, you will be. You are listening to Smart Businesses Do This, the podcast show for freelancers, side hustlers, and upcoming small business owners who want to transform their current business or business idea into a company that is built to succeed, simple to run, and gives you the freedom to live your life on your own terms. I'm your host, Adam Lyons. Let's get started. What's up, then? I have fans. I don't have a fan, do I? Well, no, they will be. That was they, they, just they, one. They, no, they, you, they will be. They're not yet. <laughs> they, they will be. So Danny Galvez has been a friend of mine for many, many years, and he is an exceptional individual. What I love about Danny is he is freaking funny and unashamedly himself. So, so I wore this shirt today. I knew I was coming to see you, Adam. So I was like, no, Adam's from England. Wear something bright and flashy. It's kind of got like this Euro vibe. I, I imagine like, did, did you ever go clubbing or anything like that in Europe? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I ran the nightclubs in London for a while. So what was, yeah. was it? Is this a good representation of what they were? Yeah. No. No. Okay. No, no, it is. It is. Because I nailed that one, right? No, no. It is, that, is, that is totally the kind of thing that some people would wear. <laughs> yeah, Shotzi. Yeah. Right? I love it. So I don't even, yeah. that Danny Galvez isn't just funny and fashionable. He also is somebody who helps people voice over their own books. I know it because Danny did my voiceover for my audiobook. It's fantastic. And you, you noticed that I didn't even do a bad impersonation or an, you know, impression of you. But you yeah. offered it. I did. I did. It didn't work for the book, but you know, I've been practicing a bit, Mr. Adam Lyons. You know, it's, <laughs> it's great. It's wonderful. If you don't have an English friend, you should really hang out with them because you learn a lot more and you speak a lot better too. But. Let, let, let's talk about the, the, real, the real elephant in the room here, Danny. What is that? Why should somebody have you or themselves do their own audiobook when they could just get an AI robot to do it? So, you know, that's a great question. And it goes back to one simple factor. You can't fake genuinity. You, you just can't. And let's go back to like you and I met over an audiobook five years ago. We did. It was, a, it was an introduction that was made and it was great. I came, I look up and go, man, I can't believe I've known Adam that long. Might even go a little bit farther back. I think but it's further, yeah. Yeah. When you came to me and asked me to narrate it, at that time as, as a business owner, I was not thinking properly because I didn't see what was coming, right? I didn't see what was coming from the standpoint of this. If you're building a community, you're building a business. Everybody's going to come to you if you're the head of that community. So like on this podcast, they don't want to talk to, you know, your assistant or anybody like that. They want to hear your genuine voice. Yep. Uh, nowadays, I don't solicit for narrations. The reason why is because somebody who's leading a community, running a company, somebody who is directly involved with the people in their business, no matter what kind of business it is, they're the ones that they want to hear from. Mm -hmm. So I highly encourage people and show them how to narrate their books on their own. Technology is caught up. It's not expensive. You don't really need to go to a fancy studio. You don't need to um, go in and spend, you know, thirty, forty thousand dollars over two days to get a lot of that done. A lot of it can be done from the comfort of your home, kind of like we are right now, mm -hmm. very casual environment. Um, and the sound quality is just as good, if not better. Yeah. So, dude, I, I love this. So, because um, let's be real, AI has really um, disrupted books. Uh, I've seen a lot of people talking about there is a larger number of books than ever. A lot of them are poor quality. Um, you know, there is 
uh, in the the business world, the idea of outsourcing to AI is huge, mm -hmm. and yet often it's lackluster. Often it isn't as good as it should be, but um, there is that balance of do it quickly and get it done versus do it perfect. Uh, where do you sit in this as somebody that helps people narrate their own audio? You know, and that's great. And here's here's the thing: trash in is trash out. And AI is still young. Yes. Can you get your book narrated and done? Yes. Good is good enough. I mean, that's the mentality of a lot of alpha, you know, operators. And yeah, 1 million percent. If you're putting together a, a guidebook or maybe an employee manual, yeah, 1 million percent. Use AI. It's going to be cost effective. You're not going to pay somebody. Narr I'm going to tell you this. Narrators, just a little inside scoop. A lot of them think that they're better than they actually are. Okay. Yep. And, and they will take you to the cleaners. They will drag time out. And they will... That's one of the challenges you have. And it's also one of the advantages of having AI. It's like, well, I can just get it done fast. I don't have to deal with, you know, divas, difficult people, right. anything like that. Yeah. Um, and I can get it done on the timeline when I want it because you can. You can take a script, upload it, bam, you have a voice. Of course. Right? Um, you can even, you know, create video with it too. But I'm going to tell you this. If you were writing a book, give me a good example of a book that I'm listening to right now. And this is fantastic too if you're a business owner. It's Knowing Your Enemies by Patrick Bet David. Okay. I love that book. If you notice, a lot of these big influencers and authors are actually narrating their own books, and they're getting them done around the time the book's actually released. Mm -hmm. Two reasons. Many of them have podcasts, they have entertainment channels, but they're also speaking as well. So when they go to listen to your book, they want to hear from the author. They don't want to hear from AI, and most people can tell right now. AI is getting better, but it's not a human being, mm -hmm. especially that human being. Dude, I, yeah, I, I think that's so so true and so accurate. Um, if, for the future, it, with attention spans the way they're going, um, you know, m my children, you know, we we force them to sit and read, but you can tell like they want this instant gratification economy, um, you know, and this is prevalent. Do you think the audiobooks will still continue in the future, or are people going to move towards TikTok, AI, uh, sorry, Instagram, and and you know? curated content via AI on those platforms? You know, that's a great question. Um, and I love the fact- I've got like a whole bunch of questions that are all great, by the way. No, this like, is fantastic. Yeah, I, I know you probably thought this out. I had no idea why I was coming here today. I just that's showed up. on purpose, yeah. yeah. I was like, I'm going to get a bunch of really good questions. Not tell Danny in advance. Be like, just hang out. Come for coffee, by the way. Uh, and by the way, you're going to be on a podcast. Pro <laughs> tip, if you get the invitation, you have an obligation to make accommodations to come. No matter what. You don't even have to know what it's about. Just show up and say yes. Thanks. So thank you. Thank you again for having Always, me. Always, dude. I'm really, really honored by that. Um, one thing I'll tell you is I think it's great that you guys are having your children read. Fantastic. There's a study out that says, too, you really need to limit time on, the, like, they finally said, okay, the study's out after five years. Screen time's not great for the kids. So a book is a great way to unplug. It's not great for you and me. Yep. We, we, I mean, I know you know this. You, you get the, the screen fatigue, Right get inundated with notifications and this and that and bah, 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 bah. next thing you know you're exhausted and you're like I don't even know why I'm exhausted inundation as far as audio I listen to audiobooks all the time I don't think people are going to go to other platforms to to listen to an audiobook if that's the case they're going to they might as well make movies out of it that's the only way that I would imagine that they would go there um I know that Instagram and TikTok are very short formats in terms of social media to get that content out, the micro content, an excerpt. It could be a, a mic dropping moment, right? A revelation in the book. Here's what happens in chapter six. Yep. When Jonah approaches the tree. 
the magic tree, right? Oh, I can't wait. This is great. This could be used for marketing, branding, and also driving sales. Yeah. So in those contexts, yes, 1 million percent. I okay. can see where they'd use Instagram, TikTok. Nice. All right. So um, for you specifically with your clients, what are you seeing that's like moving the needle that's making the biggest difference? There's a, so there's a, a couple things here and I don't, I don't want to leave anything out because not all authors, like we had a gentleman, um, we just did a book for it. You actually is, is somebody you know. Oh, nice. Yeah. Unmall. Oh yeah. So yeah. the format of his book. Um, Unmall. That's great. Yeah. Oh, Unmall. Yeah. So there's still the big challenge for him. He's a, he's a trader, right? Mm -hmm. You know, livetraders.com. There's a plug. You're welcome on Unmall. Unmall. Um, <laughs> Got you, man. Yeah. It's, it's amazing because he, he was like, look, I really don't have the time. And you and I had the same conversation. Like, Danny, I really don't have the time. Can you just do it? I was like, all right, fine. No, no problem. Yeah. Um, but I think you'd do just as well. But for him, what he did was he had a narrator narrate the first part of the book. And then on the back end, he did like a bookend to it. Nice. That's Almost like better. a podcast format. Like, mm -hmm. hey, Unmall, what would you consider A, B, and C right now in trading? Oh, and then you hear Unmall's voice. That's really cool. So really cool. It's great for those high performers, um, people looking for maximum output um, and efficiency. So, yeah, that, I would say that's, I mean, that's probably a trend that I'd probably like, like to see more of um, for a lot of people, but I, I really, I'm still a purist too, though. I do believe like if you have a community, it needs to be you, like your next book, it needs to be Adam Lyons. Oh my God. I you know, that you said that. I know, I know you hate that, but I'm sure your wife would agree <laughs> with me, but I'm telling you like people love the tone, the pitch and the resonance. And when they're reading the words and it matches up with the voice that is reading it, you have an opportunity to go deeper with your audience, with your community. To like go nobody. Deeper, to go deeper. Go deeper. <laughs> now. In a world. <laughs> with two I'm, I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> that, that doesn't take away from things like, you know, David Goggins, he did his book, Can't Hurt Me. Mm -hmm. After he did that, everybody wanted to jump on that. It's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hire a narrator, and then I'm going to go into the studio, and then I'm just going to do the end caps. You can do all that remote. It's pretty simple. I mean, it's pretty easy. Um, but again... I'm a purist. I think you should narrate your own book. Dude, I, I love that. All right, so um, should everyone have a book? <laughs> you know, with the way AI has come onto the scene, there is no excuse not to have a book, mm -hmm. okay? I'm going to give you some, I hope you're taking notes because this is important. Yeah, take notes. Um, there is, there's a, a software called Designer with two R's, D-E-S-I-G-N-R-R, Designer.com. Designer. But you can go in there. It'll create the cover for you. It'll even go in. It's got this feature called Magic. And you basically go in. You answer a few questions based on your topic, genre, your target demographic. It'll write a book on that subject for you. So I remember when Designer first came out, <laughs> and it wasn't that good. Have, is it now good? It's good. Oh, it's good. You need to go back in, sir. You do. You really do. Because I was impressed. My first book... Um, my first book, and this is, you know, just letting you in, like people are like, well, I can write a book with chat GPT. Okay. That's cool. But be careful because you need to be doing, you know, studies on there's plagiarism, you know, there's yep. starting to get lawsuits that are rising to the top as a result of that. So you can't take any shortcuts. You really need to go in there and modify the program, um, to speak like you, which you can do. That's going to be a whole other episode, but also make sure you check, check it for plagiarism too. And there's, there's a way to do it, but I haven't. And also, you know, let's say you're a chat GPT does get a bit crazy sometimes. Like mm -hmm. I was working with it yesterday. We did an entire year long marketing campaign and the first three months of the campaign were great. 
And uh, then um, I wanted a shower and I was like, ah, I'll just have it do the next four months while I'm showering. Oh. And so I set it to, to keep going and went in the shower and came out. And the next four months, every single day was the exact same as the last day of the previous month. And I was like, well, that was, that was a complete waste of time and I probably shouldn't have showered. No, I needed to shower. But it, it, it was a really good example of like ChatGPT just going off on one and being like, here's a good email. I like that one. Let's get four more months worth. No problem. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. It's, hey, uh, you know, I, I got to tell you too, because it's, it's one of those things where no matter what we do in life, whether it's AI or doing it naturally, I mean, we have to verify. Oh, yeah. So important, especially as you go into to this year. Verify, 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 verify again, and then triple check and verify. And if you get a bad feeling, go back and re-verify. Because here's what's happening. We're getting complacent. And we're not using common sense. We are not using critical thinking. And by the way, if you have children, they're in school, you know that they're not learning critical thinking. It's like, hey, here's how you take the trash out. You know, I have these conversations with my kids. And I'm going to tell you, don't get lazy. Don't let AI make you lazy, okay? You need to always have an, an analog or a workaround for anything and everything that you do. To, and, and I see this everywhere. Like we're, we're, like, we're homeschooled. We've got five children, and they are very practical. Like our children, we, we live on a farm. They do farm chores. They take the trash out. They do the dishes. Like our kids work and study and read, um, and, and we school them. But I definitely see other children that are in the school system who just don't seem to be able to do basic things. It's, it's disconcerting. Mm -hmm. And I've got, got a 24-year-old daughter's going to be 17 soon and my 15-year-old son. And all of them, I tell them, my oldest son, he likes to work with his hands. Yep. He's not a, he's not a, yeah, he's a do yeah, thing. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I want to go fix stuff and break. I'm like, hey, that's good. You're going to go a long way because a <laughs> lot of people are not going to be working because they think AI is going to do the job for them. Yep. Not perfect. It's not. Um, my daughter, she's on it a lot, but it's not a, it's one of those things where I always encourage them. Like this year, I bought them books. I bought my son, the art of war, big, thick yep. book. I, got, I, great said, book. I want you to read this. You can read this online, but I want you to read this. I want you to hold it in your hand and read it and absorb the information and go back and circle things or highlight things. And then I want you to go research those things or those concepts. Same thing for my daughter. I bought her Grey's Anatomy. She loves forensic psychology. So I bought her an anatomy book. Cool. Sure. So they can do that. But I love it to your point that a lot of skills are being dulled mm -hmm. because they're not being raised like your children. Thanks. Um, I think my kids, if they could, I think they would love to take trips and work from the road. When you tell them, hey, you can get schoolwork done in about two and a half, three hours a day. Yeah, that's true. It's true. Dad, how come mom didn't tell us? I'm like, that's another discussion for another day when you're 21. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, but it's true. Uh, our children do five days of school in two days every week. That's, and then the rest of the time they have to work on other projects. That's part of their schooling. Um, my 14 year old's right now reading Dialogues of Plato. And, I, and, and again, the reason I'm, I'm saying this is to illustrate the power of a timeless book. Um, have you ever read The Perennial Seller by Ryan Holiday? No, but I'm going to need to get that book. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to recommend that at this juncture in life, um, and I totally use that word because I'm English and we have all sorts of wonderful words. That would have juncture. Did you hear this juncture? juncture. Exactly. This, at this juncture, I, I believe it's um, incredibly important for people to read The Perennial Seller specifically because the perennial seller is about when you create something 
create something that will have value beyond your life. Mm. And I feel that a lot of people that are creating books today are writing books for today or about themselves, which makes the book a vanity project or a, a, a trend capitalization project. Mm. With the concept of the perennial seller, so for example, I'm, I'm working on a book right now. I've been working on it for about three or four years and yeah. um, technically two books, two different books, but uh, one of the books that's coming out is the dating book that I should have written 10 years ago. Yeah. And um, we're working on it. We're working on it for, for a very long time, but the whole, uh, it, it's only even got a working title right now. It doesn't even have everything. It's, the title is most likely um, to be very broad and very simple. And it's essentially... 18 years of my knowledge of dating in a book so that when I'm gone, anybody will be able to purchase this book and read through it and know everything I know about dating. Um, I, had a, I had a really, really cool, I'm very, very honest today. I'm, I'm, I'm in one of those moods, but I was talking to my wife about it this morning. I was like, there are some things I'm very confident about and there are some things I'm not sure of myself about. But the one thing that I know I understand inside now is dating. Like there's not, there is not a single component of dating that I'm confused about or don't understand. I know it. So what else do you know about? Tell me. Lots and lots of things. Tell me, tell me top, <laughs> top five, like top five things that come to mind right now. What do you know about? Um, I know without a shadow of a doubt how human beings make decisions. Okay. Um, so I can, I can look at a decision that a human has made and I can understand how they got to that decision. And I can often, with a high degree of accuracy, predict other decisions they'll make based on that decision. And uh, that's, that's a side effect of being good at dating. So, you know, uh, humans are very predictable mm -hmm. as, uh, ironically, they're very predictable as individuals mm -hmm. and unpredictable as a mass. So I would rather sit down and look at one human and I could say, okay, I know what this person's going to do. As a group, it gets much harder because you have so many different influences on each other Factors. that the group decision and group thinking is very different than individual um, thinking. So I'm not good at group thinking. I'm very good at individual thinking. Still great, though. There's another book inside of that. <laughs> yeah. If you take away the dating aspect, mm -hmm. but just from a behavioral standpoint. Probably. But yeah, that's something else that I'm, I am very, very good at. Um, th there's a few other things. I am, I'm very good at, uh, at strategy. Okay. Um, strategy on on pretty much um, any topic that I have I have touched. The the core broad strokes of strategy remain the same. Um, I actually talk about the difference between strategy and tactics. Okay. So tactics are something that works within a very specific frame of what you have today. So for example, a tactic would be a podcast method to grow your business, mm -hmm. or a tactic would be if if you're playing tennis, this particular racket is really good for this particular tournament on this particular um, floor. A strategy would be, it is always good to stand here on the court. Or a strategy would be, it is always good to find as many different ways to communicate with people as possible. And I'm very good at strategy. Okay, that's good. So you've got another book right there. <laughs> and here's, here's my point. I say this too because yeah, you asked the question earlier. I see where you're going. I see where you're going. At the beginning of this, right? Should everybody write a book? One million percent. One million percent. Yeah. Now, you know, I've got a podcasting book. I've got a how to, how to narrate your own audio book book. 
they're simple guides. If you have a skill set or a talent that you're really good at, if you think about it like this, imagine everybody's your children. The world is filled with all of your children. They're going to need a guidebook. They're going to need some information. So whatever your skill sets are, make a book around them. Um, and, and this ties into another thing. And I love the fact that you're taking time writing the book on dating, everything that you know, 18 years of wisdom and experience. And you take some time to really sit down and think critically about what you're going to share inside of that book. Well, have right. you, um, do you know the concept about 10,000 hours to master something? Yes. So uh, do you know how, how much 10,000 hours equates to in terms of years? I don't actually. So I sat down and, and did the math on this once. Okay. And assuming my math's correct and I remember it correctly, um, 10,000 hours is approximately what a realistic person could put into something over five years. So when you add in sleep, eating, having a job, when you add in all these other things, I worked out that you're roughly going to do about 2,000 hours a year realistically. Right. Um, when you, you, know, you think 365 days and, and you start thinking of it that way and you think, yeah, I can probably do about 2,000 hours in a year, mm -hmm. um, providing I'm very consistent. So therefore, 10,000 hours is five years. So I always tell people that when it comes to dating, I got my first mastery of dating within my first five years. I then got five years of teaching other people how to do it. Okay. My next five years were teaching other people to teach people how to do it. And I'm now three years into my fourth cycle of mastery on dating specifically. Which is? Which at this point is simplifying the whole process down so that it's, it's beyond mastery. And you can think of it like the Bruce Lee concept of um, do, do you know this, the, the punch is a punch and a kick is a kick? Yes. Uh, so yeah, so basically the, for, for anyone that doesn't know, Bruce Lee said, if you don't understand martial arts, a punch is a punch and a kick is a kick. When you fully understand it, a punch is no longer a punch. It's more than that and a kick is no longer a kick. Mm. When you fully master it, a punch is a punch and a kick is a kick. And so I am, I am now reaching that, that final stage, which I hope to get in the next two years, which is where it, it's not just something I fully understand but it's so simple, I can break it down to the bare essence. And I'm seeing it, like I'm, I'm seeing it more and more every single day that, that it is actually even more simple than, than we can imagine. I know some of the people that have worked with you in the past, I'm not gonna say who they are for privacy reasons, but like to see them going through that process and completely change in their demeanor, their confidence level, and, and the way that they walk into a room, because I've seen the iterations of some of these people three years before they met you or even, so I saw what they look like at a lot of events, right? So that work you do there has been beautiful to see materialize in person. You go, holy smokes, there's, hey man, you smell different today. <laughs> hey, you look, what's, what's up with you? You're, you're a little edgy today. What's going on there? Like they have this cock and swagger about them where they're just coming in and they're just, they got this new air of confidence. I really think there's a, untapped opportunity for you with all of these dating apps to go in and take over the market again. Because everybody that I know, I'm unmarried, no shame in that, by the way, but everybody that I know, all of my friends that are out dating, they are exhausted mm -hmm. and they've even stopped dating. A lot of the men that I know, believe it or not, you can't find good men. You know why? Because they're either married or they're staying home. They're going to the hunting cabin on the weekends or they're going to take trips around the world, right? They're reconnecting with friends. But I think, I think there's a huge opportunity for you to rise up. Well, it, and we, we've, we, I mean, we've definitely been putting more effort in dating recently out of demand, not out of 
not out of our, us pushing it, but through the request. The, the thing that got me actually, and I, I want to tie it back to, to business because I think this is very important. Um, I actually, uh, I made a video about this the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, I spent a lot of money and a lot of time and energy getting into the rooms with the best business people I could. And it all culminated in a private jet trip with people we both know, where I flew to Atlanta to go to a room of nine-figure and billionaires, like just massively successful people. And I got to sit at the front table at the front of the stage where a panel of these business experts were standing there ready to answer any question you had about business. And I was excited. I was like, I'm going to ask about advertising. I'm going to ask about you know, all these things I want to ask about. And there was a line of business owners that lined up to ask questions. And uh, I'm, I'm not someone that lines up. Like I said, I used to do nightclubs in London. When you work in the nightclub industry, you become someone that doesn't line up. You know, so I don't, I don't line up. So I was like, I'm not going to ask a question. I'm just going to sit at the table. You're an anti-liner. I'm an, anti, I'm an anti-Q person, yeah. And um, I actually, believe it or not, I had to leave the room because question after question was relationship and dating based. And I was going crazy because the advice was so bad. And, and I was watching people that I looked up to, business owners, mm. that I wanted to learn from, feel that they could answer these questions. And there was actually one guy in the room who was on the verge of divorce. And the advice he was given was so bad. I know that leads to divorce. Like it was guaranteed one way trip to divorce. And so I pulled the guy to one side afterwards. I was like, I am so sorry to do this. You don't know who I am. You didn't ask for my advice, but I am telling you, I am very good at dating. These are my credentials. This is me on the Steve Harvey show. These are the documentaries I've been on. If you are open to advice on your question from a complete stranger who is an expert at this, I would like to give you that advice. And the guy was like, dude, I would love that. And he opened up to me, he said, the advice they gave, he goes, I was kind of thinking about doing it, but it didn't resonate. And I felt Mm. disconnected, but I thought I should just follow it. And that was actually the turning point. That was when I realized I was going to stop separating dating from my business stuff. Because at the highest level, when you look up somebody in business, you start thinking they might have all the answers. And a lot of these guys have very dysfunctional relationships. They have a lot of problems behind the scenes that they don't talk about. They have a front face that looks great, mm-hmm. uh, but their relationships are in, in tatters. And um, yeah, it's scary. So what, what are some of the common issues? Like, and this is important as it pertains to business because you've got, like you said, front facing things look great, but the duality of a human being, you, you can't have that eventually one side wears out. So what, what types of issues are you seeing and how... How are you helping people navigate that? Yeah, so um, I think the the first is, I love how this episode is completely shifted, by the way. Um, but that's fine, it's standing. This, this is what happens when it's why you don't invite friends on podcasts. No, I'm joking. Um, this is why you do invite friends on podcasts. It's all tied together. You can put it into a book, I promise you. <laughs> yeah, I, be- I believe Just it. Just chapters Full and sections. Circle. Hold and- tight, hold tight, we'll get there. <laughs> So, um, so first of all, most people just don't understand how dating works. They have no clue, um, which is, you know, I'll give you an example. You go to school and you're never taught how to balance a checkbook. You go to school, you're never taught taxes. Well, likewise, you go to school, your sex education is covered in maybe three classes if you're lucky. It covers nothing about the relationships. They've just started talking about consent. We've been teaching consent since 2008. It covers nothing about consent. And it only talks about consent as that which you should do. It doesn't talk about any of the benefits of consent which is actually what will motivate people to do it. 
Because if I say to you, you must do this, it's like, you know, if I say to you, you must wear a condom when you have sex. So, okay, but it feels better without, so I won't. Where's the benefit, right? And so when you start discussing the true benefit, which is somebody's going to feel comfortable with you and have more sex with you, it's like, oh, I'm going to wear a condom then. I'm going to get more sex, done. Because the, the association is I understand why I'm doing this, not just what the negative repercussions are of this. Because as humans, our human connection is drawn by positivity, not negativity. Right. I'm, I don't want a bunch of negativity built into my interaction with you. That's just going to make me not want to hang out with you. But if there's a whole bunch of benefits and I understand, okay, so consent is going to make them desire me more and it's going to be a warmer connection. Wearing a condom is going to mean that you're going to be more comfortable having more sex and so on and so forth. So if you go through all of this, I'm like, I got it. I got a playbook. I know what I'm doing. I know where I'm going. The, um, and so that, that's like one of the core components. So because we do not get that education at school, you're then left to figure it out yourself. Now, let's add the fact that it is shameful to talk about not knowing how to do these things mm. because you're viewed as someone that you should know. Like, I don't know how, but you should. Um, then let's add the fact that a lot of these topics you can't talk about publicly without having somebody shame you, censor you, block you, ban you. I mean, sexuality is censored everywhere, which is insane because that is one of our base human needs. I mean, on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we've got human connection at level three, which is above uh, food and personal safety. So basically the order of important things as a human is don't kill me, make sure I have food and drink, let me have physical connection. Mm -hmm. After that, we have career, helping other people, all these other things. And these are just our base instincts, right? So when you think about that, and then you've got some guy on a panel who's really good at business, being like, you know, if your woman doesn't conform, you just tell her, get the hell out. There's plenty more. <laughs> and you're just like, whoa, buddy, you're an alpha now, dog. You don't need like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up, hold up, hold up. We got to throw away five years of a relationship and, and kids over because now I'm an alpha. Come on, man. Like, let's, yo, let's ease back a bit. Like, maybe, maybe there are two sides to this story. Um, so yeah, and, and that is, that is the scary thing. Cause most people just have no idea. Like my favorite thing that I've been teaching recently, I don't know if you've heard this one, but this is like one of my favorite ones. You, you ready to play a game, Danny? I'm ready. Let's go. I like it. Okay. So, um, you know, the emotion of love, right? Yes. Okay. Good. <laughs> um, show me the emotion of happiness, what it looks like. You're good at that. The emotion of sadness, mm, the emotion of anger, the emotion of love. Wait, that's happiness. Wait. <laughs> what? Because <laughs> there is no emotion of, happy, of love. Of love. Huh. The emotion of love doesn't exist. That's why you can't express it. But you can show me the emotion of surprise. <gasps> but you can't show love because it doesn't have a facial expression associated with it because... It's an act. Love is a chemical. Right. Oh. It's a chemical. We can measure it. It's a chemical known as oxytocin. And if you... And we know this because when you connect with somebody you love, you say, me and you have good chemistry. Because we know. We oh. know it's chemistry. Yep. And yet, we try and solve it like it's love. Like it's an emotion. And you can't treat it as an emotion if it's not an emotion because it's a chemical. Never thought about it. No one does. No. Because no one knows. My and question is like, how many hugs do I have to get in for you to know? Like, I love you. You know, it was like, we got a good, like, 
How many of those, right? How many attaboys, I, I right? Mean, I mean, you want to you go deep with it, right? So there's this, um, there's this whole thing in the, in the news where, oh, in the media where someone's like, you know, dads and dogs, right? It's like, dad, don't get a dog. Don't get a dog. I don't want a dog. And then when the dad gets a dog, he's like, I love this dog. Mm-hmm. Well, that's because dogs release the love chemical. And this is really sad, but most men in relationships aren't getting the physical attention that they need. So they bond with the dog instead, which is the replacement of the oxytocin chemical that they literally need to survive that reduces depression. Interesting. So once you start really understanding how this stuff works, you start seeing the world. Like I said, I understand why human beings make decisions from a chemical perspective. When's your book due out? That's all I want to know. You got to put that all on the board like tomorrow. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. But no, but I I see your point. And and this is what I love. AI can't write that book. It, It can't. It can't. I mean, because it's censored. Not today. Today it can't. I'm not going to censor it. Well, yeah, you, you cannot discuss it. Oh I've no, tried. believe me. I tried to write like my first when I first got into narration. This was back in 2014, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to start. I'm going to look for the top genres. Top genres: comedy, romance, thrillers. I was like, you know, and sci-fi is up there too. I went with romance. I'm like, that's fine. I was like, I'm going to go for the thing that I wish that I had. Maybe if I talk about it out loud and record it in a book, I'll get more of it in my marriage. So I end up going, see, that's me getting personal now. Um, I get in and I start narrating. And romance was a, um, was a very different space to be. Have you heard Gilbert Gottfried recite Fifty Shades of Grey? No. <laughs> no. I needed to say this. Hold on. I got to get that right. Hold moment. on. <laughs> I, I, wait. It's no, really I, good. I know you're good at impersonations. You were just talking about the alpha male speaker, so I want to hear your, your impersonation. Oh, my God. I don't know Godfrey. if I can do Gilbert yeah, Gottfried. Yeah. Oh, my ah, God. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> do it because I never watched Fifty Shades of Grey. I don't know if I can do Gilbert Gottfried. Oh, my God. You got to do your eyes like that. You got to. That's how Gilbert got. That's it. Yeah, I got. Yeah, and then you just have to talk about like you know as he bound her arms. She was sitting on the edge of the bed, bound <laughs> like a chestnut in a case. Yes, right. Exactly. Yeah. I don't even know. I'm gonna have to go. Like, you have to watch it. It's good. Uh, yeah, I haven't. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. Anyway, so anyway, so the romance book that you were narrating. No, no, you would not be able to do that because it's I like. You know, when I was going through that process, I was like, man, I wish I had to do the male and the female voices in both perspectives. That's Gilbert Gottfried. AI cannot dive into the emotionality, yeah. like who it is to give and receive. And th- that's at the core of what it is. You really have to think about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And any guy and any woman who says that they haven't thought the opposite of like, man, like I, I wish I had that equipment. So I got, what would that be like? What would that feel like? And that might be a little far fetched for you, but it makes the correlation of AI like, it's almost like going into the mind of an actor, right? Mm-hmm. You have to go and become that person or get into that emotion, which is what human beings are. Yeah. And AI does not have that. Yeah. It does not have that capacity at that level to do that at this point. Dude, yeah, it's 100% accurate. So yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, we, we did go around the houses a little bit on that tangent, but it does bring up that point that AI will not write about certain subject. It won't. And, and, and also, it only knows, really, when it comes to, to what it writes, it only knows popular opinion. And I think this is something that isn't spoken about enough when it comes to AI. Because when you go on Google and you do a search, you as a human are going to um, dissect that information and you're going to make a critical decision about which of the information is best. When you use AI, you outsource that decision the AI is doing your Bing search or Google search on your behalf, 
analyzing all the data and then saying, this is what is the answer. But because you've just outsourced the decision to AI, AI is most likely to go with popular opinion. And if you want to see the dangers of that, um, there's, there's a really good TV show for it, which is Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Mm. So on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, Ask the Audience is either the most accurate or worst lifeline to use, depending on how much money is at stake. At the lower questions, up to you know, the first third of the questions, Ask the Audience is going to solve it because it's common knowledge. As the questions get more complex and harder, the average person no longer knows what is correct. And now, if you, you can go on YouTube and see it, some of the Ask the Audience answers are really wrong <laughs> because the group don't know the answer. And so you get all these wild varying decisions because no one has a clue. And the problem with AI is it is going on groupthink. It's going on this is the most popular answer. This is the one that everyone's upvoting. Right. But as we have seen countless times in our past, group decision-making is how you manipulate the masses by getting them to agree that something is bad when it isn't bad or vice versa. And um, whichever way you want to look at it, all I have to do is say 2020 COVID. And I don't care if you're pro-mask or anti-mask, you will believe that a whole bunch of people were fed misinformation right. that led to them doing the wrong thing. I never said which one you should do because both pro-mask and anti-mask people felt the other people were fed misinformation and they were swayed. Hence, you can't ask the audience in that situation. And when AI has to go and have a look and make those decisions, it's going to look at Either it, what it was told is the correct answer, which is where manipulation comes into play, or it's going to look at what is the popular answer. That doesn't necessarily mean it's the correct answer. It's brilliant. And I, I'm glad you're talking about that right now, too, because this adds to your point. There's information that was published and put out there, right? And remember, like you said, 10,000 kicks, right? How many repetitions? There are people out there that create content at a massive scale where it would be picked up by AI if it were available. But what happens is a lot of these media outlets, political authorities, they come in and they scrub it. They've got their friends that work at Google and Facebook and in Instagram and well, TikTok. Let, let's be real. We, we don't even have to have conjecture. We know at Twitter that happened. Yeah. That was like when Elon Musk bought Twitter, he revealed that 100% happened. And I like this because when, when we talk vague and say there are people that do it, it's like, well, who? No, we can be really specific. There is actual evidence. It was uncovered. People at Twitter, staff members, we're not even saying it was, came from the head. Individual staff members made the decision to do this. And so, yeah, there was absolute withholding of information and other information being spread to create a narrative, even if it was just, like, we don't know whether it was a big conspiracy or not. But we know that there were definitely some staff members who took it upon themselves to do this. It happens a lot, too. And it's not just Twitter, right? Or X. Um, Facebook. Like, we know people that yep. have been on list. They're on list. They've been on watch list forever. They even got confirmation that they're on watch list, right? Yep. And, and it's, it ranges from influencers all the way up to, you know, political figures. And, I mean, yeah. it's a real thing. It's and, a real thing. And if your AI is pulling information from there, 
to create your book, then your book is going to have a bias that you may or may not want in it. That's right. And it isn't then showing your thing. So we did go around the houses to come back to that point that actually working with someone like Danny and actually crafting your book yourself um, is the right way to go. And I'm proud to say like, we did not use AI to create our book. I mean, we couldn't. No. But yeah, at that time it wasn't even evolved at that point. But again, like it was even, I think there's a question. It's like, why don't you narrate your own book? You're like, no, no, I want you to do it. But like today that would be a different conversation. I'd really insist that you do. You, you want somebody to hold your hand? I can help you with that. You're uncomfortable with the tech side? No problem. I'll save you a ton of time and energy trying to source where to do that. I've recorded books in people's living rooms. I've recorded books in studios. Um, yeah. There's a gentleman, uh, Mr. Charles Ham. I love him. 76 years old. He blew up. He like became LinkedIn famous. Awesome. And he wrote this book uh, called Ponder on a Pilgrims. And it's basically a collection of, you know, all of his sayings and just his years as a young man and being self-employed and being in the military and things like that. And he wrote this book and he has a huge following because of the simplicity of the message that he has. Love it. And he goes, he shares a lot of anecdotes and stories. And here's the other thing too. When you write a book, it's great because of a couple of things and you don't just want to outsource that. And you made a lot of good points about that, but this ties into who you are. We're all the same, except for that 1% that makes us not the same, right? Our thumbprints are eye scans. You can scan our eyes. There's not one of us that are exactly the same, even twins, not the same. So be genuine, record your book, do it in your voice. And as far as the technical stuff, you can work that out with other people, but when you do that, you're going to be able to connect with the rest of the world in a way that AI will not be able to. That somebody like myself, I've got over probably 80 titles myself that I've narrated. Um, while I have a decent voice, I'm not the greatest narrator. Um, and I don't connect to all of the material like I should. Mm -hmm. Even the romances. I think there are a couple of burp scenes in there that were not supposed to be in some of those books. But <laughs> sure, Adam, for, I swear to God, that's another story another day. But Record your book. I right. I just love this. If people want to find out more about you, Danny, where do they go? Oh, they can just um, you know, I would just go to uh Danny's links That's the easiest way right now. You can find me on social media, Instagram, Danny Galvez too. And you can also find me on um TikTok at Danny Go Official. So it's Danny G official and on Facebook at Danny Galvez dot three three eight two. I love that you know like all those. I know, yeah. I'm, I'm next level. Well just make like one URL with all those. Danny Galvez, I mean, and here I am. Yeah, like, you can find yeah. actually DannyGalvezSite.com yeah. or something. <laughs> I don't know. Just, I'm just gonna. That's my 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 smart blueprint tip for you, um, guys. Let's uh, round of applause for Danny Galvez. Thank you. <laughs> Now, if you're new to the podcast and you want to learn more about how to build a smart business, then the absolute best place to start is with my Smart Blueprint ebook. Over 10,000 people have already gone through the book, and it's one of the most comprehensive resources on strategically building and growing your business that you can find anywhere for free. Just visit the smartblueprint.com forward slash ebook to grab a free copy. And I'll see you on the next episode of Smart Businesses Do This.